0: Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti and this is Yoga Land. This week, you've got just me. I'm doing a solo cast. I have been wanting to do this episode for a few weeks, but like so many of you, I've been really busy. <laughs> so here we are, just about a week before the Christmas holiday, and I wanted to address my ways of mindfully navigating the holidays. And it's definitely changed over the years because every year we all have different kinds of challenges. Some of my challenges that I had in the past are completely different than the challenges that I have now. So I'm going to cast kind of a wide net here. I did put a question out to social media asking you what your Stressors were during the holidays, and I got things like wrapping all the gifts, everyone having a say in my schedule except for me, feeling really obligated to do all these things and show up for all these things when all I really feel like I want to do is rest and recuperate. Having to work while your kids are home on break was one of them. So many extras at this time of year school costumes, gifts, baking, parties. One person said they suggested giving to charity this year instead of doing all the family gifts, and they got a backlash. And let me tell you, I've tried that for years. Jason and I have tried that for years, and we're finally, finally breaking through on that one. So completely relate. I think that overall, the things that people tend to struggle with kind of fall into a few different categories. One is simply the busyness of the time of year and how scattered it can make us feel, how overwhelmed we tend to feel, and how we feel like we have less time to ourselves to do the things that tend to keep us sane. So there's the busyness. There is expectations. It was a big one that came up as well. So feeling like Maybe you compare your holiday this year to holidays past or or like for me for many years I wanted to make Christmas a core memory. So for Sophia, for my daughter, that was really, really magical because I had really, really magical Christmases as a child. And yet I had a really big extended family as a child. And that was part of what made it so magical and fun was just so many people and so many kids and so many gifts all in one room. And we are this teeny tiny little, little family unit with, with even not a big extended family. So we often have these expectations that it's supposed to be this certain way and it's supposed to feel a certain way because we're comparing it to the past or we're comparing it to other people, other families around us, other People with significant others and we don't have one. Or if you're struggling with fertility, you know, babies and, and it, you know, you're seeing photos on social media or you're at a family gathering and you're struggling with that. So expectations is a really, really big one. Another one that I went through for years was loneliness. Even though I had my family as a young adult, I didn't have a family of my own. I didn't have a partner of my own for many, many, many years. I didn't get married until I was 36 years old, guys. So I was single for a lot of those holidays. And I also, living far away from my family of origin during certain holidays, holidays I would miss those holidays with them. And not Christmas, but some of the smaller holidays, and that can be really lonely Related to loneliness would be is, is grief. And I don't feel super qualified to, to speak to grief. I know that that is just, it's just can really rear up during the holidays for all of those understandable reasons. Um, I actually have two great podcasts about grief. One that I did with Jay Brown and I was talking about the loss of his mother and then another with Faith Hunter talking about the loss of her brother. So, I will link to those in the show notes that they they will I'm sure be helpful if you're if you're going through grief right now. And then the last one that I see as a big category is dealing with family. And that's also one that we're gonna, I'm going to go through the one by one, but that's also one that I'm not sure. Oh my gosh. I'm not sure that there's a universal answer to that one. But let's just start with really practical stuff. So we're going to go back to the first one that I mentioned, which is, which is busyness, feeling scattered, overwhelmed, having no time for yourself, feeling obligated to show up to things when you need more time to yourself. And I want to point out that some of the underpinning, like a common thread to the stress that comes from the busyness is quite honestly, a feeling of perfectionism, right? So not getting all the gifts wrapped, um, feeling like you have to show up for everything, feeling overwhelmed, so many things to bring to the teachers and the costumes for school and the gifts and all of those things. We tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves during big event, human cultural times like this. And so if you can, just take a moment when you have some time and reflect on, okay, if I'm feeling really overwhelmed, is it pressure that I'm putting on myself to perform things perfectly when really, you know if I have a lot of gifts to wrap, could I get a few bags and throw them in gift bags? Like literally, I just did that this week. I usually spend a lot of time wrapping. I love the wrapping. I think it's so pretty. Um, But last year, my friend's daughter had a wrapping business. So I paid her two bucks a present and she wrapped them for me. And this year, guess what? Yesterday I broke down and made Jason get five big gift bags. So my point being, you know, can you reflect on things that are necessary, like the need-to-haves, and then things that are nice-to-haves? Like, it's nice to bake cookies for your neighbors and have the, you know, perfect card for the teacher and the gift and the this and the that, but could you just... Is there anything where you can press the easy button for yourself? Is there anything where you can say... I'm just being hard on myself. And here's another question. One of the things I will ask myself is, if I get all these things done, will I then feel like it's perfect? And there are certain things that if you get them done, like they bring you joy of just doing them. Let's say baking for someone and giving those cookies out, like really gives you joy or wrapping perfectly really gives you joy. And then once you accomplish that, you will feel great. But there uh, there are times when doing those things will actually deplete you more. And at the end of it all, you won't feel like you're done. You'll just feel like the list has gotten longer and longer and longer with more things to do. Do you see where I'm going with this? Reflect on your need-to-haves, need-to-get-done. Reflect on your nice-to-haves, like this would be a nice thing if I did that. And then reflect on the things that are just obligatory and are, you know, where you actually could make a choice that would make you in your body and in your life and in your enjoyment of the season feel better. I hope, I hope I uh, express that clearly. There's two other concepts related to the busyness factor that I wanted to bring up. And one is tapping into your own inner flexibility and remembering the concept of impermanence so remembering that this time is is actually quite fleeting and short and that you have the flexibility to to be adept and shift and change so i think that the simple change in routine can be much more stressful and taxing than we give it credit for. And you, you see this if you um, raise a child, right? When, when you change a baby's nap schedule for one day, they, it can have really far-reaching effects. When for school-age children, when the clock turns forward or back, um, they are off their game for at least a week, sometimes two. You, you, the teachers talk about it, and, and we feel it as well. But it's just when you see, like, a, a younger nervous system and a, and, a, and a fledgling developing body, you see that that changing routine is really, really hard on humans in general. So accepting that, acknowledging that, and then also saying to yourself, how flexible can I be right now? Like, How much can I say, yeah, I do want to show up for that thing, and I'm just going to kind of tap into my reserves of resilience and try to be as present as possible and try to enjoy this moment as much as I can, and I will recover later. On the flip side of that, If you really reflect, that might not be possible with certain events and certain things. And here's where I want to emphasize like really tuning into your nervous system. So I want to talk about spoon theory for a moment. I think probably a lot of you are familiar with, with spoon theory, but if you're not, spoon theory was coined by a woman who had... Has lupus, and it's basically a way of describing the amount of physical or mental energy that you have to perform certain daily tasks. So she was like at a diner with her friend, and she Gave her friend a handful of spoons and showed her, like, each spoon was a unit of energy for her to get through her day. She had a limited number of spoons for the day, and it took a certain number of spoons to get out of bed. It took a certain number of spoons to get herself to work. It took a certain number of spoons to, you know, uh, have—do a presentation. She had a limited number of spoons every day, so she had to conserve those spoons— and use them wisely, so that she could get hoot through her day without being negative spoons. If she was negative spoons, the next day would she, she would be behind, and and she would not even be able to to show up for her daily regular activities as well. So, the spoon theory has been used now to describe for many people like living with a chronic. Illness. I hear of it a lot in the autism community because people who are autistic tend to feel like they have to use more spoons for social engagement than a typical person. So like if going to a party takes a typical person like two spoons, but then they gain a spoon because they, they get some energy from the party and the people and the engagement, you know, they just use one spoon. But for Someone with autism, they might feel like going to a party takes 10 spoons and they only have 12 spoons a day. So they're really, really depleted. <laughs> so I actually use this with Sophia because I will tell her in the morning, like, we're going to do this, this, and this. Tell me if you still feel like you're starting to get low on spoons. And then we can do things to help her restore and recover, or we can simply decide that the thing that we plan for at the end of the day isn't going to happen, and that's okay. Um, we can all apply spoon theory to our lives. We can all kind of tune into what gives us energy, what takes energy, what gives us spoons, what takes spoons, and how many spoons we have in a given day compared to the tasks that we have to do. Really what we're describing here, I mean, in, in, in my opinion, when we talk about spoon theory is we're describing the nervous system right we're we're describing that very very subtle um energy source that can either help us feel relaxed and present and calm or can tip us into a state of stress and um you know a, with a stress response you can either kind of snap go into to fight you can go into flight you can go into freeze where you're just like so overwhelmed you don't even know what to do with yourself there's also flop which is like you're so overwhelmed and exhausted you just need to crawl into bed for a day so when you think about these changes in schedule when you think about all of the obligations I just invite you to, be, to tune into where you are, to be really honest with yourself, and then decide how to cope with it with the people around you. If there are people who would understand spoon theory, tell them. If there are people who wouldn't understand or empathize with spoon theory, but would empathize with, you know what, the metaphor of the social battery. You know what, my social battery just is so depleted right now, and I need like an hour to meditate, take a nap, fill in the blank, and then I will be at the party later, then use that metaphor. But if you are someone who is really, really sensitive and your nervous system is often on high alert and these kinds of holiday gatherings and changes in routine throw you off to a point where you are not okay, do what you need to do to take care of yourself. If that's like the one thing that you take away from this podcast today, I will feel happy. I will just kind of insert here that over the years, I've really changed the way I interact with people about obligations. And I tend to now have friends who just understand. I tend to surround myself with people who actually understand our family and and our needs. And it's not always easy. It's really hard to feel like people don't understand you. It's really hard. It can feel very lonely. It's hard to feel like you make people angry, right? Especially if you're a people pleaser. But at the end of the day, you're the one living in your body and you're the one living your life. And, 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 if we want people to develop more empathy for different ra- ways of relating to the world, we have to just show up as ourselves when we can and let people know that we're not all the same and we can't always show up the way they do. So it's important to take care of ourselves so that when we do show up, we're actually present and, and there for people the way they want us to be there. Okay. Okay. So, this little talk that I, path that I started down definitely bleeds over into expectations, right? Because we have, first of all, other people's expectations of us. And then we have our expectations of comparison, um, comparing our holiday to the past, comparing our holiday to other people's. In terms of comparing our holiday to other people, I would really invite you as much as possible, if your work allows it, to get off social media for a few days, to take as much of a fast as you can, because if if this is something that comes up for you a lot, because really there's not much good that can happen from looking at other people's highlight reel if you're having a tough year expectation-wise, or if you get really triggered by looking at other people's fabulous time, fabulous parties, f- fabulous outfits, whatever, fabulous partner, whatever it may be, um, so that's kind of step number one is to be in the in the real world, and um, you know step number two, as as hard as it may sound, is to really do your mindfulness practice. And your meditation, if you can, so that you are letting go of as much as you can around the past and the future, and you're enjoying the present right now. I'm going to create a meditation for next week, which is kind of a sensory meditation because I think it's really soothing and a really nice way to come into what's happening around you. But those practices of coming into a sense of presence are really key here. I would also recommend just a ton of self-compassion. And I would apply this also to the category of of loneliness and grief. You can do self-compassion-specific meditations. I have some that I've done in the past on the podcast. I've done a whole podcast about the concept of self-compassion, but essentially it's just turning toward oneself and and extending kindness toward oneself and then having the motivation to alleviate your own suffering. So self-compassion is is simply, it's a mindset for how we relate to our problems. And instead of berating ourselves for feeling lonely, feeling sad, feeling some grief, you know, grief about the past or or grief about profound grief about a loss instead of shoving it away and avoiding it or being hard on ourselves about it we turn toward ourselves and and really try to soothe ourselves and stay open to the feeling while being kind to ourselves and a, a nice inroad to being compassionate with oneself is is to pretend that you are comforting a good friend so there are so many things that we say to ourselves internally in our narration that we wouldn't say to a friend you know so step 1 is really noticing how hard we are on ourselves when we're feeling difficult feelings. Because sometimes it's just so automatic, we don't even notice it. And then step two is asking yourself, well, like, what what would a friend need me to say right now? What would a friend need me to do? And do that for yourself. This is based on the, all on the work of Kristen Neff, who is a psychologist and Buddhist teacher. And this is something that she recommends, and I think it, it's... It can really be life-altering. So, being as compassionate with yourself as possible, and really being active in those practices, can can help you get through this time. And she even recommends not just um, the meditation practices, but even like putting your hands—it's like putting your hands on your heart, or squeezing your upper arms, like giving yourself a hug, like actually getting in there and giving yourself the the feedback that you need. So combining self-compassion with this universal law of impermanence, right? Things change. Meaning, if this is one of the hardest holidays for you every year or the hardest holidays for you this year, know that it will change. Like Things will change. Things will change. And you don't know how they will change, but they will. So just hang in there. And of course, also, if you need additional support and help, like if you are going through a really difficult mental health year, please do seek that support from, from a therapist or a, a trusted clinician. That's, that's really, really important as well. Okay. So our last category is dealing with family. Okay. Where do I begin? Where to begin? I know that I said in the beginning of the episode that I don't really have an answer. That's actually not true. (laughs) The answer that I'm going to present is, I think, the most clear one of all of them, which is all of these practices that we do on our mats come to fruition when we're relating to other humans. So at this time of year, it often is relating to family because that's what the we're doing. We're gathering a family. But, but this can apply to workplace interactions as well, or or people that you see every day on the bus ride to work, right? I mean, the reason we do our practice is so that we can bring our wisest, most compassionate, most present self to all the different aspects of our lives. So before you embark on your family gathering you we've talked about you know looking at perfectionism we've talked about expectations we've talked about assessing what brings you joy which is versus what depletes you we've talked about self-compassion and you can bring all of these pieces and all of these Efforts that you've made, and all of this intention to enter a room just thinking, I'm going to have a great time. And I'm going to be just like I was compassionate with myself, and I am compassionate with myself, I'm going to be compassionate with others. And just like I want to try to let go of perfection in myself, I want to try to let go of that with others. I also think. Being you know, having a sense of humor is is vital in these in these circumstances. so I always bring up this quote, but Nora Ephron, the, the great writer, used to say, "It's all material, right? Like whatever dynamics are happening, can you find just some humanity and some some humor in it and Maybe it's, it'll make a good story, family story for later. Maybe it'll make a good story for your best friend or your partner for later. But allow yourself to show up at any gathering so that you get to enjoy it. You know, try to rise above the fray and all of the, the little intricacies of the challenges of the dynamics and take in you know the ritual the concept that you're even here trying to do this with these people you call family take in the smells take in the sounds take in the decorations the sights take in the 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 flavor of the the delicious food and if there isn't delicious food maybe you can make some and bring some <laughs> so allow yourself to to show up as your best self so that you can enjoy this holiday season. I hope this was helpful. I am trying to allow myself to be a little bit more free form with you. It's only taken me, what, eight, nine years to uh, go completely unscripted. Not completely unscripted. I did, did have it planned. But at any rate, I'm going to let go of my inner perfectionist for this episode and just say, I hope you made it this far. If you did, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll put show notes with links to different meditations and episodes that I think will be helpful to you. Like I mentioned those two grief episodes, since that's something I really didn't go very deeply into. I'll put links to those on the show notes page, which you can find at yogalandpodcast.com episode 318 sending you so much love and so much warmth and you can get through this it's just a temporary time and then you'll be back to your routine and your comfort and your pets and your books and all of the things that you love okay until next week enjoy your practice